It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heatwave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Wonderful, wonderful Saturday night, Las Vegas. Welcome on into Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. And we're here buckled in for a two-hour edition of the Saturday night edition of Heatwave Sports. Tom Barton taking the night off. So we have some other characters that will be joining us here shortly. If you want to get interactive with us tonight, please do as... We want to talk some college basketball with you in hour number one. 876-1340 is the Heat Wave hotline. 876-1340 at HW Sports over on Twitter. I'll check those during the break. But let's do this. I'm Tim Unglesby. That's Damon Cotton, as you heard at the top of the hour, top of the show, top of the segment. Joining me tonight, casting characters of Heat Wave Sports. First, a returnee to the seat. You hear this gentleman every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock right here on Fox Sports Radio. One of my good friends. We're the outcasts, apparently, when it comes to uh, the media here. Part of the outcast crew, Mr. Brian Feldman. Brian, I want to thank you personally, face-to-face, to to see you here in the studio with me. I'm surprised you want me here, Timmy. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know if it's the coronavirus that I've got, (laughs) but I got some virus. I mean, I coughed at the Mountain West Tournament, and I was looked at like people looked at me like I was the plague. I think they were pointing security to put me in quarantine. It was pretty crazy, but you let me in Fox Sports Studio. DeMond's probably going to beat the crap out of me (laughs) afterwards for coming in and giving him this cold if he gets it. But, uh, you know, hey, man, I'm always happy to be here. I love, uh, you know... I'll talk sports whenever you want an outcast. I really like that. You know, in my family, they say when you marry into my family, you're considered an outlaw, not an in-law. And yeah, in Vegas, I guess I'm used to that to a degree, so why not? Were you looked at as bad as we were looked at the other night? And I'll leave it at that. Um, (laughs) You know, put it this way. Worse because you've got to, when you cough right now in Vegas, you cough or you sneeze anywhere, Vegas, anywhere in the right. country, right. Uh, you're looked at as almost a pariah. But no, the other night it wasn't uh, It wasn't about how we were looked at. It was about the way that you kind of felt when it happened. And I'm glad you brought that up because I do want to say a good point about that because really something good came of that in the long run. But we'll talk about that in a bit, man. Okay. And. I'll let you do the introduction since you know the guy. I well, just I just met him a couple days ago, but I already like the guy. So I need it's, my it's co- deal, I need man. my co-host here to properly introduce him on out of line because Caleb Herring does a better job than anybody <laughs> else when it comes to introducing him. But uh, uh, yeah, I met him about um, I don't know a few months back. God, it's been a bit now at uh, at Buffalo Wild Wings, and he is a Spencer Ostrovsky, known affectionately on Sunday mornings on out of line as the Woods. <laughs> Caleb, if you can hear me, I want to know how I did, brother. I feel like I'm in a reverse quarantine right now. Actually, we're in a close space, but with someone probably yeah, with the coronavirus. You guys have me right in the middle, so it's projecting say, everywhere. It's perfect. <laughs> Demon and I I'm are screwed. I'm a little bit away. You'll see it in the video. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Well, Spencer, welcome to the show, no, man. Thank uh, you. Always, you know, we were sitting in the. Well, we'll get to that story. But as as we were sitting in the media room, Spencer and I were discussing life, radio, what he's doing, and everything. And he just said, you know, 
I want a shot. I want to get on air as much as I can. I said, you know, we're working on something, Spencer. Brian and I are trying to work on something. Actually happened a lot quicker than I thought, but hey, you're here. And well, we're a, t- a test run. This is kind of like what we're doing is we're, yeah. we're working on pole position right now. Okay. <laughs> Not the kind of pole position I like to play, but, you know, pole position. And uh, and uh, the whiz man, I mean, he just, you know, the, the bottom line is what it is in this profession or anything. It is about diligence and desire and passion. And when I met the whiz, you know, I had no idea. His buddy wins a blazing wing-eating contest at Buffalo Wild Wings and gets the opportunity to come in. And I call it an opportunity. Wow, I'm really patting myself on the back. But, you know, to come in and see the show live here in the Fox Sports studio. And uh, he brings the whiz with him. And then after the show, I get a text from him like, hey, my buddy really loves it. He's going to UNLV, and he wants to get involved in it. And, you know, I saw the kid sitting over here. And, you know, you look at him. He looks like he's probably a computer geek or a nerd when you first look at the wow, kid. thank you. Well, I, you know, but you're an athlete, which is crazy. <laughs> A, a really good athlete, but uh, but he looks like that, and so I'm thinking, yeah, he's got to know social media. Boy, did I hit the nail on the head. You want to talk about intuition. This kid is a social media guru, understands all of the different facets, and I mean, climbing the ladder like it's a, it's a super speed escalator as opposed to the stairs that the rest of us took. Yeah. I get, yeah, I, I gave up my dream when I was 18 year, years old, actually, right when I was entering college. I thought... I want to make it in sports more than anything, but I, I should be realistic. So I went to UNLV for accounting, and I thought that was it. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna live my life, and you know, maybe I'll be just some regular accountant at who knows where. Calculator in your pocket and some pencils. <laughs> and I was actually kind of down. Like right before I met Brian, I, I I wasn't in a great place in life, and we you know we went out for a Monday night football game, and I thought, yeah, maybe let's get my mind off of things, and you know, maybe things will start getting better. This is the first time on. I'm hearing this, Spence. I like it. Keep going, man. This is compelling. <laughs> you got any yeah. tissue back there, Devon? I, I might start balling up in here. No, seriously, and uh, I was just kind of down on my luck, and I wasn't in a great place in life, but you know, I had my friend with me, Damien. He's changed my life forever. Anyways. You know, he makes this announcement, says he's part of the show. I'm like, wow, this is pretty crazy. I mean, this is cool to hear a radio guy because I've never even been to a host party before. Makes this announcement. Anyone could do the Blaze Challenge. The first thing I say to my buddy, I said, man, I would never be able to do that. First of all, I can't eat that fast. And second of all, I can't eat wings that hot. My buddy goes, I'll try it. I, I, didn't, I didn't even tell him to. He just did it just because. He did it so fast. I mean, I would have never had a chance. And, you know, Brian you know, open the door for me and it's changed my life forever. I literally want to do this as like as much as I want to breathe. It's it's become everything to me. And the fact that I'm I feel like I'm going up pretty fast, but you know, it's as much as I love doing this and it's everything I love, I want more, like all the time. It's all I can think about. I want to get better. I literally want to be the best in the world. I mean I I don't want to stop until I get there. No, that's I mean, look, we gave you an open mic or it's hot, right? And <laughs> Brian and I that's why I call us the outcast. It's funny that we had a common Guy that got us kind of into Vegas radio. Ryan, you've been doing this for for a little bit longer, but I think that sets us apart is that we're not worried about, look, Spencer, if you're better than us, you're better than us, man. I'm not, you know, we're not worried about that. We're just here to entertain and give people sports thoughts and and knowledge from where we're coming from and, and, you know. I think it add, if somebody's better than you, it adds to the show anyways. It's, it's, I'm well, not worried know, about and it. And the bottom line is to striving to be the best at anything you can do. You know, I mean, I, I admire and respect that a great deal. And like I said, the key is putting in the work. You can, you know, everyone can say, hey, I want to do this, I want to do that. We have a lot of friends with aspirations in, in every field and every walk of life. But, you know, literally everything I text Spencer or ask him to uh, come and do, he does. And, uh, I mean, he is just ex- so excited and, and thrilled to do it. And that's why, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to, 
let him live out his dream. I mean, I love doing this. I'm living my dream every single day just by being alive. I get get a chance to come on the radio, and I've got a whole other life with something else that I do as well. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool thing, and so it's cool to give him an opportunity. And I know he's got some family in town, so we have to do our best to embarrass him <laughs> as often as possible Hopefully tonight, not. okay? So, <laughs> Everyone is listening. So yeah, I can no only imagine. On me, well, you know, yeah. I, I mean, since we're... Uh, you know, patting each other on the back. <laughs> yeah, come on, let's keep going with it. Since we're patting each other on the back, I'll, I'll tell you this, Spencer. The guy that you got in with, he, he's a good dude. He's going to help you out. He's not going to stand in your way. So uh, I can't you know. say enough great things about Brian. I mean, obviously I wouldn't be here without him, but even just beyond sports, I mean, he's just been like a life mentor for me and given me so much great advice. We've had so many great conversations just, just about, you know, growing up, being an adult. Mm-hmm. I, I mean... It just goes so much beyond sports, and I think that's the very essence of sports in and of itself. You know, I played in high school, obviously. I, I play a little bit in college, and you know, at the basis of everything, it's about being together. It's about sharing life experiences with each other, and I, that's why I love sports probably the most. There you go. I mean, I, you know, like I said, how how can you? You can't beat that. It's good. It's good stuff. And yeah, a, a sniffle maybe. I mean, you know, out of you know, it was good stuff. Demond got a little choked up over <laughs> there. I mean, it was uh, you know, you know, you got to you got to appreciate. Like I said, more than anything, and the one reason that I do this is passion. Right. I mean, what what you know, you listen to so many shows where guys are going through the motions these days and uh, and guys with passion to me. I think you become an outcast, you know, passion. But you know, in all seriousness, the kids got plenty of passion, but uh, it was cool stuff. Right. Oh, yeah, man. That's why I you know, tried to play a little, you know, how to save a life there. It's just like when he said, <laughs> when he started playing, when he said, yeah, I never told you this. I was down on my luck. It's just like, oh, uh, I've never heard this before. And it's just like, well, dude, I'm, open I'm, up. I'm opening up a hotline next week. Let me get <laughs> another number right here. So, so uh, no, no, good, good stuff. And, uh, you know, hey, man, you know, you take this as far as you can. But the bottom line is, is it, it's about passion and, and again, enjoying yourself. Mm-hmm. And we, we have a ton of fun doing this. There's just no doubt about it. I love doing it. I love uh, getting to ask questions to athletes like you know you're watching a game and so many times growing up even before I had a desire to do this you know you'd be watching a game and like what the hell was he thinking well after the game the reason the show's named out of line because I'm a person that will go up to him and go what the hell were you thinking you know what I mean and and it's cool that we get to ask those questions and then you got guys that just like themselves to be heard you know they like to hear themselves ask questions and hey God bless them too you know well you know Vegas this week, the Mountain West Conference was the, on the spotlight, basically, and they moved their tournament up a week this year. They were first team, first team to make t- the tournament. Actually, came out in the Mountain West Conference, and we'll get into that game. But you know, it begin this week began for what the next two weeks are going to be leading into the March Madness Selection Sunday. You had Pac-12 women's basketball. The men start this week. You had West Coast Conference women's basketball, and then the men started this weekend. But the Mountain West was the, the showcase, the spotlight was on it. And, and, gentlemen, we sat there, you guys sat there for four-plus days. And, uh, you know, honestly, I, I know how the conference is. And really what you're going to get out of this is the two that are going to make it into the tournament. Those are the best teams. But I thought the basketball overall was really good this week. It is some of the most exciting uh, basketball I've seen in a Mountain West tournament. I mean, first of all, an 11 seed has never won a game in the Mountain West tournament. Wyoming <laughs> comes in. And, I mean, for two games, they were somebody. And you could say for three games. Yeah. Technically, you know, they played, I thought, 
you know, Utah State as well as San Diego State did. I mean, you know, n- not quite obviously, but for Wyoming, who was this team and where were they all year? And it was really cool to see Marble get be one of the com- uh, he was all conference or all tournament players, one of the five all tournament players from Wyoming, and he absolutely deserved it. This Wyoming team had won seven games all season, Timmy, before they win. So that was cool. We had a Cinderella, but the championship game that I watched tonight. Um, that's what you get into this business for, to get close to a game like that. I mean, it's one of those games where at the end of the game when Sam Merrill hit that triple, if the hair wasn't standing up on your arm, you were either buried in your popcorn, not a sports fan, or you weren't paying attention. I mean, it was incredible, brother. It really was. And it was two teams that really struggled in the tournament. San Diego State behind every game, right? You can say New Mexico should have beat Utah State in that first game. We sat there and watched it, but we also watched... A guy that you spoke to, and we'll listen to that interview here in a little bit, but Sam Merrill single-handedly lead his team in this tournament to the tournament. And, and today's game was, again, unbelievable. You were there. What was that atmosphere like? Oh, man. I mean, it was it was electric. I mean, you, you really were. You know what was crazy is both San Diego State and Utah State were really well represented. I haven't seen a crowd like that at the Thomas Sebeck. I don't think since before the Wiz was born is about the last time there was a crowd like that at the Thomas Sebeck. <laughs> but no, seriously, it was a really cool atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. And Sam Merrill, man, you want to talk about uh, just the epitome of what you want a collegiate player to be, from mentally sound to fundamentally sound to just a sound human being. And that is Sam Merrill, as humble and as modest as they come. I mean, this guy is just, he is a collegiate superstar and someone that when you're showing your kid and you want someone to have a hero at at the college level, it would be Sam Merrill. And I don't know if he'll make it, Timmy, as a professional player, you know, I think that's going to be a little bit of a stretch for him. There's a lot of guys in the league that have those kind of that that has his his skill set. Even though he is very underrated defensively, I still think that there's a lot of players that have his skill set. The one intangible Sam Merrill has is man, that heart as big as the Pacific Ocean, and that might equate to an NBA career. But even if not, he'll be the next Jimmer Fredette in Europe. The guy will have a life with that hairstyle and his looks. He'll be great in Europe, and he'll love the hell. So, Spence, you saw, you know, you got to watch a couple days of the tournament. Tournament itself. I know your first time getting an opportunity to cover it and get as close as you did. What did you think, man? Oh, well, I, I think the best part about the tournament is that the two teams that everyone wanted to see in the finals, everyone was talking about it in the press room. You know, we want to see Utah State play San Diego State. Those are the two best teams in the conference, and it usually doesn't turn out that way for any conference just because things can get crazy. But, you know, we saw the two best teams get together, and, you know, there were just so many outstanding young men, too. I think that's also such a great thing. And you see these coaches develop these young guys, and they really care about them just beyond the game of basketball. And I think the Wyoming coach did that the best. When when he came out, you know, I, I asked the guy, I said, you know, you have been bad all year. I didn't say exactly like that, but I was like, you know, where does this come from? And he said, you know, I've been developing these young guys, and, you know, most of them are not even seniors. And he said, I know I brought them together and never after one game were they ever down on themselves, even after seven wins in the season. He said they all stayed together. And I believe that. I mean, when you see it on the court, it, you wouldn't tell what the record was before they went on there. And I mean, that game, that team showed what three point shooting can do to change an entire you know, lineage of the of the tournament. But, you know, on, on the topic of Sam Merrill, I will say this, you know, he's going to make the G League for sure, unless he has like a fiery burning desire to play overseas. But he really reminds me of a player named Dusty Hannes. I recommend you looking him up. Kind of like a Dusty Hannes who can be a playmaker. And also, Keita, I think, has a legit chance, you know, to make it in the NBA. Because 
Although, He's seven feet tall. Although he can't yeah. play within the three-point arc, he has a great ability to, for playmaking. I mean, if you look at the, the semifinals, he made two crazy passes that you would never expect a center to make at the end of those games, and I was really impressed. And he is a tenacious rebounder, too. So not someone you're going to start on your team for the finals or anything like that, but he has a role as someone coming off the bench in the NBA, in my opinion. Well, the Aggies knock off San Diego State to gain a berth into the NCAA tournament. Most experts had Utah State on the bubble or possibly playing in the first four in. This puts them in for sure. And, and, and Brian, when you look at these uh, prognostications and, uh, you know, look, the Mountain West wasn't going to get any help here. They needed to win this tournament in order to solidify it. They did what they had to do. So they're in. And I know you talked to Sam Merrill right after the game. You want to take a listen to that and uh, see this young man's. I, I haven't even listened to it and I already know how this is going to go. Right. Respect. Oh my goodness! You know it was it was right after they got done and they let the, they let the two pl- the athletes, of course, Kate and him, were up on the podium. And as soon as they let him off, I ran back to see him. And it was really cool. And not just you know at the beginning of the season at the Mountain West Conference tournament, uh, or Mountain West, I mean at the Mountain West Conference, you know they have the um, the media, media day, yeah, where they have all the teams in and representatives. And so Sam was in, and I just happened to be sitting at a breakfast table where Sam ended up coming in. And uh, you know we sat at the table together. It was the second year in a row we had done that. So when I see him at the thing, he goes, "Hey, I had breakfast." It's like, that's cool as hell, you know. I I wouldn't have remembered me, why, you know? But but that's just the kind of person he is. And and what I'm saying that is, he's aware of everything, and that makes a great basketball player. He sees something, and he remembers it. It shows beyond his basketball IQ as IQ as a human being. And yeah, Timmy, talking to him, I got a chance to uh, speak with him after the game, and it was really cool. And this is it. Sam, a few minutes after this game, and I mean, I'm probably about 15, 20 minutes removed from the shot. What are your emotions like right now? I still just can't believe it. Um, just uh, like, I, like I said over there, we didn't have a perfect regular season. I know expectations were really high for us, and I know even a lot of our fans were disappointed. Um, but the way that we responded after going through a tough stretch, um, the, the amount of resiliency that we showed and the amount of character that we showed to get to this point um, just it means everything like um, to be able to find a way to win that game against the, one of the four best teams in the country and to hold them to 56 points like that's that's just some big time team basketball you talked about it in there at the turnaround time you guys just had no time to turn this round another two seed but it seems to be working out well for you but again the first half there was some tired legs and you guys missing some shots a little bit short how do you find energy in the second half to rebound like that and no offense we're talking about rebounds talking about justin bean but to get to rebound like that and come back and play this well and start knocking down the shots you were missing in the first half yeah, the good thing was we felt like we were missing a lot of wide-open shots. Um, we were getting what we wanted, just, just couldn't knock them down. And like I said, getting that to eight, if we had been down 12 or 13, there might have been a little little, little more stress. But getting it to eight, we felt confident that, that those shots would fall. And um, if we could continue to guard the way that we did, then we'd, be, we'd find a way to come back. You know, the, the moniker before the game was it's going to be the America, you know, the, the Sam Merrill, Malachi Flynn show. And yet, how about all the unsung players that don't get normal credit? Guys like Blue Collar, guys like Justin Bean, who picks up double-digit rebounds. Guys like Abel Porter, who I'm sitting right behind your bench watching this guy put a back monitor on every time he's on the bench. And then to give you those quality minutes defensively at the end of the game. And then, of course, Anderson, probably some of the biggest shots of his life in that game. How about those guys stepping up in a game like this? Absolutely. I mean... Abel just battled and battled and battled, and he's in so much pain. But he did not score one point, but he was so important to us tonight. And Justin just did what he does. Um, 
feels like he gets every rebound. Um, and then you look at Alfonso, a guy who played a ton at the beginning of the season, and once Nevi came back, his minutes dropped a little bit, and he didn't pout or or make it about himself. He just continued to work, and um, he showed up big time. Um, him and Malachi are like best friends, so I'm sure he enjoyed making some big shots. <laughs> Coach Smith, what a character. What is it like playing for a guy that turns around every five minutes and is getting your crowd into the game and stuff? Does it motivate you playing for a coach like that? Absolutely. He's incredible. I, I'm not really big into that kind of stuff. I'm not like a, not a hype guy. So um, to have a coach like that, and he just he knows exactly – he always knows the temperature of the team. Um, he knows if he needs to yell at us or whether he needs to try and pump us up and be positive. And he does a fantastic job, and uh, I wouldn't want to play for anybody else. Finally, you got the NCAA tournament, back-to-back Mountain West tournament championships, and now the NCAA tournament. You said the big big goalier's bucket list is winning game, winning a game or games in the NCAA tournament. I know when you look back on this, no matter what happens in a couple weeks, you'll look at this as the greatest, some of the greatest time of your life. But how does this team make this run and make a run now in the NCAA tournament? Put this behind him, say, hey, this was great. What an incredible basketball game we just played. But now we got the, the business at hand. Well, f- fortunately maybe unfortunately but we have this this long period where next week we just sit around and we'll be able to enjoy this for a couple days and then probably get a couple practices in and that's where we can focus on what we want to do and then come Sunday we'll see who we're playing and I think you know there's always a concern that maybe there'll be some rust because we're not going to play for a week and a half but uh, um Hopefully this will help us be able to clear our minds and just focus on the task at hand. Sam, I wanted to tell you, I never say this to any athlete, but i got to tell you, it's been a pleasure watching you play in the Mountain West last couple of years. Thanks for the interview, and thanks for what you put on the floor. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. That Sam, was, yeah. Sammy Merrill, man, what do great. you think? Is he, is he not, uh, you know, uh, uh, cool's the word, man. He's just, uh, he's cool as the other side of the pillow. I love that kid. I, I, I really hope... Uh, that his heart is big enough to find his way into the NBA and onto the floor in the NBA because I'd love to see him play. It's guys like that, Timmy, that you just pull for. I didn't detect any ego at all None. in in any of that interview or or the ones I've seen. We sat there in a press conference a couple days ago, and he's all about his team. He's all about his coach. Good guy. He reminds me a lot of <clears throat> of Jimmer Fredette in that in that aspect. I'm, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a struggle for him to find a. a a spot, let's put it that way, in the NBA, and especially nowadays. This isn't the 80s where Danny Ainge is playing on a basketball team. You know, Danny Ainge is not playing in the NBA. If, no. if it's the now, now. Here's so. how good you have to shoot if you don't play defense in the NBA. And Sam does play defense, but you got to shoot like Steph Curry. Steph Curry yeah. can get away without playing defense in the NBA. Yeah. Most players cannot. And and uh, Sam Merrill can definitely play defense at the collegiate level. And Smith talked about it after the game that his defense, he is so underrated defensively. But he's not. I think most teams understand. I mean, every night in and night out when I watch Sam Merrill play, and I, I think I've seen Utah State play maybe four games this year, he is always on the best guard on the other team. He always yeah. is. So that, that bodes what, you know, it shows what his defense is like. But again, this is the Mountain West, and the NBA is just such a different level. I, I'm looking forward to seeing him in the NCAA tournament, and I hope they get at least one win so I can see him play in two more games in the most intensified level, Timmy, and that may give us a better gauge on what kind of level Sam you know, can take it to. Well, speaking of that, 27 points today. He scored almost half the team's points. They were, Like I said, they were uh, considered a bubble team coming into the game. First team in, they're in. What do you think? The seed will be Brian and Spence. What do you think the seed will be? 
And given that scene, and I know we don't have brackets in front of us yet, but what are your what are your in your gut feeling or your chances of them getting through the first weekend of NCAA action? Well, I'm gonna Spence. I'm gonna let you go first because I don't want to steal your thunder or have you steal mine. So I'm gonna let you say where do you think what kind of seating do you think a team like Utah State is gonna get? I'm not really comfortable saying a number because that's, those are so random. But in terms of their performance, no, no, you got to say a number. We don't care how random it is. <laughs> I, I want a number out of you, man. We're this is like we're in Vegas where people gamble. Put a number out there. Six. I don't know. I'll just wow, say six. Would, I think that'd be an unbelievable number for them. But there's no way they get six. But okay, we'll take it. I, I think just in terms of their performance, I think they would deserve a number like that. They may not get it, but and you know, the way that they have two star players on their team, and that can take you pretty far. At least stars in terms of NCAA. And do I see them making a championship run? No. Do I? Can I see them as a Sweet Sixteen team? I'm. Yeah, I do actually. Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now where they're going to finish up, and I, I would almost wager on this seed. They're going to end up as a number 9 seed. It makes sense. Playing the 8-9 game gives them a, because they want to match them up with the team that's even strength with them because they're a fun team to watch, and it'll great, make a great matchup, especially them beating San Diego State. The NCAA tournament is going to want to showcase them a little bit to see, wow, is this for real? And the reason you can think it's for real, Timmy, is Cato has been out. Uh, you know, Nima's been out, what, most of the season, and this is an NBA player. Now, one guy for sure that will play in the NBA is Nemus. Now, will he be a star in the NBA? Will he be a starter? I don't know, but he will definitely be getting an NBA salary. Seven feet tall, a wide body, doesn't have much of a perimeter game, but we saw a top 10 dunk today in that game, if you saw Nemus in his dunk, with a NBA pro spin move before he put on the dunk. He's definitely, and Sam Merrill, like we said, Sam Merrill is as good of a collegiate player as you will see. And when you have two superstars, and what, what the Wiz just said, I agree 100%, you can go far in the tournament as long as you've got some other great role players. Justin Bean, you want to, you know, I, I, this is an uh, overused term, Timmy, but blue-collar, and I said it about him earlier, this is a blue-collar player. Justin Bean gets in there and does all the dirty work. He's cleaning the glass on both ends of the floor. He doesn't care if he gets four points. He is going to do everything it takes to be on the floor and to win a basketball game. He is completely fundamentally sound defensively, and again, there is... I'm, I'm right now, I'm going to say, I want to see other guys his size that are better rebounders than Justin Bean at his height. He is as good as there is at his size, and he also bodes well for the future. But this is a team that could do decently. The problem is when you're in the nine hole, the second game is against a one seed. Let me tell you something right now. Can Utah State beat Gonzaga? Yep. So I agree with you when we talked earlier today, Brian, about the seeding. I thought eight would be generous, nine more likely. And I remembered last year they were an eight seed after winning the Mountain West tournament and got destroyed by Washington in that opening game, double digits. So I'm thinking now that you have – a back-to-back titles, and I know this stuff doesn't play into. It's not supposed to, and and we haven't seen the teams that are actually going to be in. So it's hard to say where they're going to see. Like Spencer said, I'm going to give them a seven, Brian. I'm going to give them seven based on you went out, you won twenty. What were they win? Twenty-seven, twenty-eight games, and you beat San Diego State, who was going to be a number one seed in this tournament. I think they give them a seven. They play the ten in the first round. I think they win the first game. And in the second game, come whether it's uh, Saturday or Sunday, they have an opportunity to move into the Sweet 16. This is a, a team that's played together for a couple years now. They want to avenge that. Sam said it in an interview. They want to avenge. You know, they don't want to go one and done. They've been there. They've done that. This is their time. This is the best chance they're going to get as a group because two of them are leaving. So 
the role players play and the stars play above the rim, right? Sam Merrill, unbelievable. I think he gets at least one win in the tournament this year. I'll tell you, you know, one of the things and one intangible is, again, you have to have great and good point guard play. You have to have it. And Sam Merrill is capable of playing the point, but he shouldn't. He should be playing the two. Right. And Abel Porter is as good as you're going to get as a point guard. Not Mal- not quite Malachi Flynn good, but in the Mountain West Conference. And he is a senior. He is seasoned. And he had back issues. Now he's got 13-plus days to heal that back. And I'm telling you, that is gigantic. If Abel Porter is healthy in this tournament, because it's amazing they got through without him, although he played like 25 minutes tonight, mm-hmm. no points. He was hurt, and you could see him every— I sat right behind the Utah State bench. He was laboring every time he was off the court with his back. I don't know if it two weeks is enough to heal him, but if this kid can get 85-90%, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why Utah State can't win one game out of the 7 or 10 seed. If they, if I think that is a much better seeding for him, and I think if they get that seeding, they could get to the Sweet 16. And what a fabulous career that would be for Merrill. And I'll tell you what, you know who else is putting some bucks in his pocket? Coach Smitty is starting to put <laughs> some bucks in his pocket. Back-to-back Mountain West Conference Tournament champions, and this guy was just hired three years ago. I would say his stock is rising. Wiz, here you go. Invest in Coach Smitty, man. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think Sam Merrill has one thing that we've kind of alluded to. He's got the juice. He can't teach the juice, and he showed tonight and the night before that he can do it, and that's worth a lot when it comes to pressure time in an NCAA tournament. And Tommy and I, next week when the seeds come out, we'll talk more about Utah State, and, and it's more than, like you said, Nobody in the country outside of Utah and who was here in Vegas or those Mountain West basketball can tell you who Abel Porter is. But we know he makes the engine run, right? He's a guy that penetrates, can kick out. And what, what I saw in the tournament this week and what I saw basically the last two years with this team is they're a team. There's an extra pass, right? There's always an extra pass. Brito, huge three in that game against New Mexico to put him through. You mentioned uh, that was a game when when the big seven footer was practically useless, right, Brian? He got foul trouble, and he was done for. I got to cut, Timmy. Great point. Brito made one basket tonight. That's it. Three points. You know what it came? The last second shot. He scored at the buzzer at halftime to take it from an eleven yes. point game to an eight point game. You could not have hit a bigger <laughs> shot in the first half. And he did. Here's what he does. He bangs the three and sprints across from. And it was on the other side of the floor and sprints to the locker room. Sprints to the locker room. And uh, that was. And, and everyone else just ran right after him. I mean, and the focus is like, man, we were just down 11. Now we're down single digits. Let's get back. Let's get in the locker room. And they came out, and Sam Merrill was a different player in the second half. Well, let's, let's take timeout number one here on a Saturday night edition of Heatway Sports. So we know about Utah State. We'll get the guys' thoughts on San Diego State. How bad did this loss affect their seed? And what are their chances in the tournament as they have struggled here recently to to close the season? We'll talk about that. And we'll get a Heatwave Sports UNLV recap to the season as well on the other side of the timeout. Tim Unglesby, Brian Feldman, The Wiz. The Wiz. Demon, back after this. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms. And remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, 
I don't care what the scoreboard says. At the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Barton. March Madness. It's began. It has begun. 59-56, Utah State knocks off San Diego State to gain the first berth into the field of 68. We'll find out who they play next Sunday. San Diego State. A lot coming into this game as far as locking up this number one seed that was a little shaky. And speaking of shaky, the team has been shaky. The last six games to end the season, they've led or excuse me, they've been behind in all those games, and a few by double digits. They were able to come back. And in this tournament, well, up until today, they were did it every round. They were behind, able to come back and, and win those games. And today, Brian, you said it, a double-digit lead heading in, essentially heading into the half. It gets trimmed by, by the three to eight. And then in the second half, it was all about Sam Merrill and leading his team as he outplayed Malachi Flynn in this one. Well, yeah, I mean, at one point, uh, San Diego State was up 16 in the first half, and, uh, you know, Utah State came all the way back. But San Diego State has been challenged lately, and I don't know, Tim, you know, there's that. Oh, I hate the excuse of, well, mentally, you know, they know where they're at. They, they thought they could breeze through this tournament, so they probably took it for granted with their eyes looking ahead, you know, knowing Utah State could be a roadblock. But I don't think they were too concerned about anybody but Utah State, even though UNL had v, UNLV beat them. They weren't concerned about them. Matter of fact, I'll bet they, they feared Boise more than UNLV, and so they probably got the matchup they would want the least. Just my opinion. I know DeMond hates me saying that, but it's the truth. Um, and How then, dare you? I know. I know you, you know what I'm saying. No, you know, you know. But, but then, um, you know, San Diego State, it is the players that they have. Here's the deal. As good as Sam Merrill is, right now, if I am an NBA, I am a general manager of an NBA team. Am I looking at Sam Merrill or am I looking at Malachi Flynn? Let's be realistic here. Malachi Flynn is an NBA point guard. He showed that with four or five times with moves he made in this game, and he had a bad game. He had a bad shooting performance, did not play his best game, but Malachi Flynn is an NBA player. Make no hold, no mistake about that. He will play at the next level, and he will make a lot of money at the next level unless, you know, of course he gets hurt or something. Also, I'll tell you another guy. Matt Mitchell has a chance to play at the next level. That is a guy with an NBA body. He looks to me, when I look at him, he looks like, if you remember years ago, a guy named Chuck Person. Mm -hmm. He looks like Corliss Williamson. It's that type of a body and a similar type of a game. I I don't think he's as good as either one of those guys are were, and they were not great NBA players, but I think he has that type of potential. And Yanni Wetzel, you're talking about another seven-foot guy last year played on a horrible Vanderbilt team. I mean, that Vanderbilt team last year was god-awful. They would have sucked as bad as anybody in the out in West, and yet um, Yanni Wetzel comes over to San Diego State, and you're going to tell me this guy is an NBA prospect? At times he he looked bad tonight, but at other times you can see, wow, if somebody can get a hold of him that has the ability to coach, you can't coach height, and he has that. He has a seven-foot body, and he's also not skinny. He's thick. If they teach him how to toughen up a little bit, you know, this guy is an NBA player as well. So, this team um, has the ability to go deep in the NCAA tournament. You know, I'm saying there's four or five guys on San Diego's team right now, three for sure, 
that would see the floor on any team in the country. They would see the floor. I'm not saying they would start or be a superstar, but they would see the floor on any team in the country. That tells you that this is a good team. I think, Tim, the time off and everything, they'll have time to regroup, to sit back and reflect on how good they were this season. I think Dutch, man, this guy, you want to talk about that's been in a lot of clutch situations in his life. He sat on the bench with Steve Fisher at Michigan behind the Fab Five team. He has watched a team go back-to-back to national championship games. He has turned this team around again from going a little bit into sliding into mediocrity for a bit and then picked it right back up with Fisher left off and made this team one of the most defensively sound teams in the country this year. Granted, in the Mountain West, I'll take that into consideration, but very sound defensively. And again, I, I sound like a broken record, but going back to Malachi Flynn, this is the best player in the conference and one of the best point guards in the country. And we'll see it at the next level. Spencer doesn't buy it, but he'll no, be there. You're crazy. First of all, he's not projected to get drafted and he won't. He's not going to be an NBA point guard. He goes negative eight in a conference championship game against a player who's better than him. Sam Merrill is a better player than Matt Flynn. I'm I'm shocked you say that, Spence. I, I think a guy who can't even shoot forty percent in college he, he, is, is going to be a star point guard. You're talking about a senior and a freshman. You're talking about two different two different levels Malachi of players. Malachi Flynn is a uh, is a senior. I, I, I'm sorry, you're right. Malachi <laughs> Flynn is a senior. You're 100 percent right. I'm 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 looking at a freshman right here. I wouldn't want Malachi Flynn on my G League team. Are you serious? I'm serious. He goes six for twenty in the most important game. Do of the you season. see some of the moves? And this he doesn't kid have makes. the juice. That's the difference between me and, and Sam Merrill. <laughs> I think he does have the juice. How do you have the juice when you blow a lead against a team that's not as good as you? You know, like I said, I just don't think this team was really that concerned with the Mountain West tournament. And I think it's, I hate when you make excuses like that. I just do not think this team was that juiced about the tournament. That's why, like Tim said, they were behind in every game. They figured, well, we've got the power to come back. We've got the guys that can come back in the game. And they did, and they were able to in every game. Utah State, a little bit of a different team. This is a seasoned, senior-laden team. It does have an NBA center on the squad, and I think that at the end of the game, they just they just couldn't close, and that's all there was to it. They couldn't complete the comeback again, and they let themselves play themselves, actually played themselves out of this game. And who does that fall on to you? Typically the point guard, and I'm not going to say that it's not, but point guards, I... I the last time, although he was slightly banged up, but the last time Utah State played in, in the Thomas and Mac, I saw Sam Merrill have a horrible game. It happens. You don't always have good games. And I think, you know, we'll see. You know, we're going to see in a couple weeks how Malachi Finn plays in the, in, the, in the tournament because the spotlight will be San Diego State is one of the teams the spotlight's going to be on because they have less losses than anyone else in the country. So they are going to uh, – it'll be interesting. But I'm, I, I think you'll see a different type of player, and I can't believe you don't think he's going to be an NBA player. He's not going to get drafted. So you he's, think he's going to make a team? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, I do. You think he'll be on an NBA roster come the start of the next season? Yeah, I think season? he'll be. We'll see him in the G League. Or, oh, or, not, not yeah. the G League in the, the summer. G League. Sure, he's I, not I think I be think he'll be. NBA we'll team. see him play in the summer league, and I think he'll be on an NBA roster next year before the end of the season. Yeah, I do. Well, I see a bet coming. Then we we might make yeah, one. We'll I make like one winning free money. It's great. So thirty and two, the Aztecs finish. One seed gone, right? I think Dayton moved into the one spot with the win, or excuse me, with the loss. So obviously that means two. Do they, what do you think, guys? Do they keep them out west? They ship them, and if they ship well, they're them, they're going to be out west. They'll be a two okay. seed in Gonzaga. will be a one seed in the west. That's my total. I think that that made it easy for bracketology for the for the committee to keep both those teams out west. They made it easy by losing. I think for sure San Diego State wins that. They're a one seed in the east, and Gonzaga gets the one seed in the west. So that's going to help Dutcher. And, and so what it boils down to: if both teams make it all the way, you're playing Gonzaga. So what's the difference? The color of your jersey. That's it. 
I mean, when you get to the championship game, what is the difference? So, what if so, Zaga loses Tuesday for some reason? I think they. St- I, I think number one is almost cemented. I think Gonzaga will still get a number one seed. Yeah, who would take it? Basically, is what it would come yeah. down to. I mean, Baylor's going to get a number one seed, and uh, I, um, you know, not that that's a bad team. It's a very good basketball team. I just don't think. I, I, ju- I just think it's a house of cards waiting to collapse. And I, I saw so many holes in the game when they played Kansas. And the other team, who else did they lose to? Was it not Texas Tech? Uh, the other team that Baylor lost to. That, that Kansas. Was, that was, well, I, no, I saw them lose to Kansas. Mm-hmm. That, that wasn't a terrible loss. I just saw some flaws. Then I saw them lose another game. And I'm like, this team this team's vulnerable. And, um, but but I, there's just nobody to replace him, Tim. I think that Gonzaga's got pretty much a one seed locked up. Um, and it'll, be, it'll end up being in the West. I, I, you know, Kansas, man. We'll talk about them in a little while and talk about the uh, the NCAA tournament. I know we're going to get into that, but um, whew, it's going to be an interesting year. I, this is the first time I can look at the beginning. I, I was looking at the other night, like the top 25 teams, and there was like nine teams I thought possibly could win the NCAA tournament. I don't know that I've ever counted nine teams in the top 25 that I thought, yeah, that team could win if everything happened right. If everything went right, they could win. And I was pretty surprised at that because usually, usually there's maybe five that I think could win the tournament. And I think it has a lot to do with the week NBA draft we have coming up. Relatively speaking, like there is no consensus number one overall pick, and one of them's not even playing in the tournament. Uh, James Wiseman, of course. So usually every season you know you have the Dukes who have like three players are coming up in the draft and stuff like that, but you don't really have that. And a lot of early picks aren't even playing in the United States. Lamelo Ball, and you you have the kid from overseas. I'm sorry, he plays for Europe, but. My point is, is that it's a pretty even field right now, and there isn't—I don't think there is a favorite, at least in my mind. So they were really given an advantage by losing because if you put them out east as a one, you could end up with teams like Seton Hall, Louisville, Dayton, all in your in your bracket. Kentucky, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be it'd be tough, right? It'd be tough. No, it's, it's a really good point. I think that, uh, you know, Dutcher's never going to look at the, Well, here's the one thing. You ask him, Coach, would you rather be a one seed in the East or a two seed in the West? Here's the deal. The prestige and even the recruiting of being a number one seed is enormous. And a San Diego State, how often is a San Diego State ever going to be competing for a number one seed in the tournament? So I think... Taken, given the fact that it's an opportunity, if you ask that question, any coach is going to say, I'll take a number one seed and put me in, in, in Pakistan and I'll play our first round <laughs> game there. I just want that title of a number one seed. So when I'm sitting on kids' couches next year, I can say we were the number one seed in the, we were number one seed in the NCAA tournament last year. You could say we were a number two seed, but who recruits and says number two? Any coach that walks into a <laughs> house and says, we were number two, uh, I don't, my, my son's not going to your school, sir. You know. So you, what do you think? Prediction now, without seeing where they're who they're playing and, and what the matchups could go. Sweet sixteen, final eight, final four. You know, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fade the question. I, I'm gonna say that this is this San Diego State team who they're not like like Nevada last year, where Nevada completely collapsed down the stretch and just what a disappointment they turned out to be. I don't think that's going to happen to San Diego State. I do think no, uh, I, th- I think they'll rebound and I think that they will they will be back in it. And I could see them, you know, again, you you know, you have to take matchups into consideration. But I'll say a Sweet Sixteen team. I'll say I'll say that San Diego State will make the Sweet. They're 16. a candidate for an early knockout for me. Maybe not in the first round. No, they but. could. I, Spence, I could see them go out as a two seed losing. I could, but I could also see them in the Sweet Sixteen. And I would say, I think they have a better chance of making the Sweet Sixteen than going out as a two to a fifteen seed. Put it that way. Let's wrap up the Mountain West part of it before we get to UNLV. The tournament itself, and you remember 
I don't know, Spence, if you knew this, but back in the day, and Steve Alford, the, the coach over at Nevada, was one of the biggest proponents of moving this tournament out of Las Vegas. He said it was an unfair advantage. And it's funny that he's found himself back now playing in the same state. But it, wouldn't, it should never go anywhere else. And, and I heard it again this weekend. Like, oh, I think it was, what game were we watching? The final game it was, it was, who played the final game on Wednesday or Thursday night? It was Wyoming? Yeah, Wyoming played. It was Nevada, Wyoming, right? It was Nevada, Nevada. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, yeah. the, the lady team, behind that us. Te- that team from up north. Yes. Yeah. The lady behind us was was basically speaking a lot about how it's unfair that the Rebels play on their home court. They're not even playing the Rebels. But, you know, it's something to, to complain about. Th- that tournament will never leave here now. The city is so different than it was when they first started doing it here, Brian. I think the players, if you asked all the players, you got, you know, we, we, we're not going to have a neutral court, but it's got to be at one of our universities. Every one of them would probably pick Las Vegas, maybe one or two San Diego State just because it's in San Diego. But I would think they'd all want to play here. And as a matter of fact, kind of kiss an ass a little bit. Coach Smith said that at the end of his speech tonight. He said, because I want to thank everyone, this, that, and the other. And he goes, and I want to thank the Mountain West. There is no better venue, and I know I'm going to piss some people off out there, but there is no better venue to hold the Mountain West Conference Tournament than right here in Las Vegas. And I thought he was right. And I'll tell you, now with the... um, the public relations director back intact in Javon Hedlund. I'm loving the the, the tournament being back here again because uh, Javon hooked us up, was a good guy. We had, like you said, we had a little minor mishap on day one of the tournament uh, there where we kind of got removed from seats where nobody was sitting in, in the middle of the game. Like, we didn't have media credentials on, and I took exception to it a little bit. And, you know, Javon jumped right in, totally straightened out, said, yep, it should be handled different. And, and that's the way it should be handled, just 100%. No hard feelings anywhere around, you know, just... The, the key is you see a mistake and you correct it immediately, and that was a mistake on their part. He saw it, corrected it, and, hey, man, Mountain West is one of my favorite events to attend every year, Timmy. I love going to this tournament. I just do, even though it might not be the upper echelon of college basketball, it is competitive. And the bottom line, there are teams in this tournament that have made runs in the NCAA, and, hey, one, UNLV that has won an NCAA championship. And the thing I heard <laughs> when you're listening to the game, like we're on the floor, obviously, but behind us, anything I heard about Las Vegas is what are you doing after the game? Can you have that conversation in Reno? No, no. I don't think so. How about in Laramie, Wyoming? <laughs> yeah. We're going to go cow tipping tonight. Devon, you should have seen Brian when when we were asked to vacate our, our seats. <coughs> I've never seen him. I've never seen him that mad. Is this like an Oakley getting escorted out of the garden situation? It, was, it, it felt like that, though, because the game's going on, and this guy came back twice. The first time he came back and said, hey, you know, these seats are reserved for scouts. And, and Brian and I said, look, if they show up, we'll get up and leave. It's not a big deal. You know, we're just going to sit here for now. There's nobody here. Yeah, because, you know, we've we got the UNLV game, so you got your seats there. And then afterwards, you know, they switched every game. They switched the seating chart. So always, for all the years, Demond, we've always sat wherever we wanted to. You, we kind of wait till the game's about to start. We find an empty table in the media, and you go and sit there. And these were Wyoming scouts. Now, it made sense they'd be watching this game because the winner of their game would be playing the winner of this game. You know, I, I don't think Wyoming thought at the time they were going to win that game against Nevada, but they did. But there was nobody there. And then we were asked to leave. And instead, so we, and he said, yeah, no problem. And we watched him walk back around and he got reprimanded for not kicking us out of our seats we watched it happen and then we see him come back with his head down like hey guys i'm sorry and i'm like 
It's kind of embarrassing, man. We're in the middle of a game here. Like, we have media credentials. I definitely have earned my media credential time and time again. And But the bottom line is, like I said, I, I, we're harping on the negative, and yeah. there shouldn't be because it immediately turned into a positive. There was not even, like, negative words. I just told the lady that I thought it was unprofessional the way that it was handled. The one that ripped her employee to make him come talk to us, she went and got Javon, and then, boom, it just it was handled. So and, what was the, um, the upgrade here? What... Um what did they do to rectify the situation? It wasn't an upgrade, but here's the, to rectify the situation is this. is you know, Like I said to Javon, I don't mind being a martyr. And I was a martyr in the respect that I guarantee that will never happen to somebody again. They will wait till like a break or wait till halftime or, you know, before. The, the key is they won't do it while play is going on where everyone can watch it happen. And that's where Devon was. You could see he got embarrassed. Like, wow, that should not have happened. And so the key is... If it didn't happen then, it would have happened to somebody else at some point in time. So I was the martyr, or me, Timmy, uh, the Wiz, we were martyrs, and uh, it's over with. And like I said, it, the cool thing is, is going forward, I'll bet that doesn't happen again. It shouldn't. Right. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, seriously. But but like I said, no no hard feelings because the, the, the game that I was treated to today, I would have gladly, as a media member, paid money to go see the game. That's how good of a basketball game I watched today. And I don't usually, you know, to say Mountain West, it was a privilege to watch a basketball game. Today it truly was. It was a privilege to watch that basketball game because it was so much fun. Trying not to get excited. Like, when Merrill hits that shot, how are you not a fan and jump out of your seat? Because you don't care who you're playing for. That is money. And uh, it was so cool. And you just had to kind of sit there reserved. Like, I had to, you know, every night I got to keep whacking yeah, Spencer doing games. Because, you know, especially when UNLV's playing, you know, and I understand that if it was Michigan State, when I was working in, in Detroit and we had the Michigan State Radio Network and I would get to go to games, oh my God, it was so hard. To, I'm an alumni, just like you guys. It was so hard to sit on my hands, but. You have to. I have to learn, yeah. I get way too excited. Jose got booted from the, uh, the. Uh, they didn't get booted, but they told Jose at the Vegas Golden Knights games like a year ago, they they, they saw him on a monitor supposedly cheering. And it was like, all he did was just get excited for one goal, but it was during like either the playoffs or maybe regular season. And, you know, they they, they kind of sent emails out and stuff. You really got to be careful with that. And they announced it in every game in the press box. Even at UNLV football, you'll hear them. You know, if you cheer in the game, uh, you're supposed to be nonpartisan. You're a, you're a working media, and if you cheer for a team, you'll be escorted out of the out of the press box. It's the way it is. Man, he's not even a fan of the Vegas Golden Knights, though. What no, was he it, doing? It was a big goal. You know, <laughs> everyone was excited. Maybe he was just impressed by the actual athleticism okay. that he saw. I'll take it a step further, and we'll, we'll take the top of the hour. We we sat in the Thomas and Mack Center behind the basket when De'Erica Hamby hit that shot from damn near half court to beat Chicago in the first round of the that playoffs. Was so cool. We all stood up and cheered, Brian. They 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 better. Jiggy better go and take every credential, I think, you know. I think, well, here's the thing, though, Timmy. I think with the WNBA, no offense, because I know it's a huge thing for you, and I really enjoy it. I'm just saying, I think they want coverage, and they they don't mind. If we stand up and scream, that makes the building that much louder. So I think that they, that, that is a good thing for them now. <laughs> Believe me, in 10, well, the WNBA's been around a long time. Yeah, but, if, but if it ever got to the point where, you know, you had packed arenas of 22,000 people, I would think that would probably stop. And then Jiggy would be looking back at us like, dude, don't make me throw you out of the game. Right. Do you remember? I, I just thought of this. Do you remember when they moved the tournaments to Denver? It was in the Pepsi Center and they couldn't draw a half. Half yeah, capacity for that. Yeah, absolutely. I saw that in Detroit when when um they they played in the they used to play in the Silverdome and it was like oh my god man it was like you crazy you could see people like sitting way up there like if you you couldn't go and hide anywhere because people could see you it was just insane so yeah you got you got to play in arenas that fit, fit you know you can close in enough people 
And uh, the Thomas and Mack Center is, to me, an elite facility in college. I love the Thomas and Mack Center, and there's nothing like it. Like my, my favorite memory at the Thomas and Mack here in Vegas really came a couple of years ago against Arizona when they won that game, and it was a packed house, and that place erupted, and it, it's pretty cool when you've got, I think it was the last time they sold out, and when you've got a packed house like that and the place goes nuts, that's what, that, that's what this is all about. It really is. That's the epitome of sports, man. When you, uh, when you, when you, when you know, it's electricity, man, with all of us. And that was really cool. I want to see that some more, Spence, and I know you do too. Well, when we come back, we'll talk about the team that lives in the Thomas and Mack Center. You know, if he wraps up their 2019 2020 season, we'll get the grades. We'll get the grades from the guys. Where did they scale A to F for the season? And what's ahead for UNLV? Next year, I think it's going to be. I think the roster is going to look a lot different. We'll talk about that in hour two here on a Saturday night at T Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Are you ready? Now back to E Wave Sports. Throw them up to hour two, Heat Wave Sports. Fox Sports Radio, 876-1340. We're going to jump into some UNLV talk here in a second. At HW Sports Server on Twitter. And tonight joined by Outer Line, Brian Feldman. He'll be back on air here in nine hours. So we're going to get that hour jump at 2 o'clock. So it'll be eight hours for Brian. Brian, eight hours away from Outer Line. And you got a big show loaded for tomorrow. Yeah, really excited tomorrow. Um, you know, we were talking during the break and, since I've been around, uh, my favorite coach at UNLV, I'm not going to kid you, maybe maybe Otzelberger will end up being that as time goes on, but it's Lon Kruger, man. I mean, Lon Kruger was the real deal. I loved him at Florida. I loved him when he came here. I still really like him at Oklahoma. Put out a great player in Buddy Heald, and I mean, the guy the guy is just a coach. He can flat-out coach. His players respect him, and his son trying to follow in his footsteps, which is really strange. Spence and I talked about this at the game a little bit, about if uh, Lon Kruger, you know, you hope that Lon like offered his son a job and his son wanted to come to UNLV and make his own pave his own road which I respect tremendously. I hope it wasn't like I don't even know if I'm going to ask him that. Maybe I'll make the whiz ask him that tomorrow to see if, like, <laughs> did you decide to come? Because you got to know his dad and him had a good relationship when he played here. And he he saw the floor. He started for his dad. Played a little bit in Europe, got bored, and came back here and decided to coach. Um, but uh, he's going to be on tomorrow. Kevin Kruger, um, assistant coach at UNLV, is going to be on talking a little bit about this season, looking ahead because the future looks extremely bright for UNLV. It's sad that that um, you know Mitru Long didn't really come into his own until about midway through the season, and maybe you blame that on the coach for not recognizing his talent earlier in the season. But still, it sucks that he's a senior and going away because he would be a great a great cornerstone for this program going forward because he just has that moxie. Reminds me of Bryce to John Jones, that that moxie of a basketball player that you need on a court. But I want to talk to Kevin about looking at this team, Timmy, going ahead. And, I mean, Bryce Hamilton, a sophomore, man, he's got two more seasons at, at UNLV. The upside of this guy is unreal. I don't think the Wiz will say, if this guy continues to improve in the next two years, is this an NBA player? I believe so, yeah. A guy who can a microwave like that, yeah. who has he scored from up. every position on the court. He, he has no definitive cold spot for me. Maybe the turnaround in the paint would improve, but, I mean, he has two years to do that if he chooses so. His definitive cold spot, and we talked about this, is, is the motor. 
he doesn't the motor doesn't run 24/7 like you see Sam Merrill the motor never turns off if Bryce Hamilton learns how to control that motor and turn it on for an entire game we see his ability i mean he was first team all mountain west for a reason as a sophomore when last year he didn't even start I mean, for Marvin Menzies, and here he is, a, a superstar in the Mountain West Conference. So I like this team going ahead, yes, yeah, so it's going to be pretty cool. Also on tomorrow, Timmy, we got Ricky Stanhouse Jr. Um, I didn't have the stones to ask him if he was a Green Bay Packer fan or not. I was going to ask him that at the end of the interview, and I, <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't do it. I mean, knowing that his ex is married to Aaron Rodgers, I thought that might not be a, an appropriate question, even for out of line. But Spence and I got a chance to interview him on Friday here with, um, with Kyle uh, Engelbert, the uh, program director, did it for us. That was really cool. And also, you'll hear the Sam Merrill interview that you just heard a little bit ago again. And I did get a chance to, after UNLV's loss to Boise State, I walked behind the curtain and I got a chance to spend a few minutes with Bryce Hamilton. And you'll get an opportunity to hear that interview as well. Pretty humble kid. um, Pretty sad. And I think this will be a learning experience. But I'm telling you, Spence and I talked about it. I talked about it with a couple of other our friends. And, Timmy, we talked about it as well. Um, The bottom line is this UNLV team should be one of the favorite teams to win the Mountain West Conference next year. Uh, provided everyone comes back, there is a rumor. Some some moron started a rumor that Spencer caught saying Amari Hardy's going to graduate and transfer. I don't know why he would do that. He was third team conference, all conference. Where is he going to go? Does he think he's going to go to a D1 school and be a starter and a contributor and work his way into an NBA career? I mean, this is an opportunity to win the Mountain West Conference, win the tournament, and play in the NCAA tournament for sure, staying here next year. DeMond's got something to add on this with, with Amari. What do you know? Uh, does that moron have any credibility? Do you? Uh, no, know? no, Spencer, we thought he did it first because it looked like, and then when Spencer started delving into his diligence, because we were going to, he was considering retweeting it and putting that it out there. major news. I mean, he is a major contributor. He's the best corner three shooter in the Mountain West, maybe one of the best in the country, seriously. And as much as I give and I, I talk bad about his game, he, he is a good player. He just needs to be controlled a little bit. And if you can control a player like that who has definitely a high motor, maybe not the skills, I mean, you're talking about a much different team next year if he's there or if he's not there. Yeah, and, and Dembele, in the other rumor, uh, Demond uh, was on check to Dembele, and he said uh, also going to uh, transfer out next year. Oh, no, not going to transfer, going to graduate, retire from basketball, and become an, uh, a student coach, right, or something like that. And Now, that made a little bit of sense to me because i, I got to believe Dembele is hurt, that something is wrong with him beyond what we're hearing because you know, they don't talk a lot about it, but you've got the second – got two 6'11 guys in your team – as a freshman, DeBelli was seeing the floor. He was seeing the floor last year again for Menzies, and it seemed like last year he improved so much over his freshman year. This year he started the beginning of the season. That started, but he was seeing the floor, and then it just went away where he is at the back end of the bench. So I'm thinking maybe he is hurt, and maybe he just can't play basketball anymore. So that part of the rumor sounded like it was legit, but when I heard Hardy, Hardy's going to transfer as a senior, where the hell is he going to go and get the respect that he's going to get here at UNLV? Hey, I see what you're saying, but uh, there might be some truth behind that. Um, there are eight new players coming into this new class. That's right. That We talked about that. Eight too. players, 13 scholarship spots. Only three people are leaving, definitely. Only three seniors are freeing up those spots. It's one of those situations where it's just you do the math and uh, somebody's going to have to go. Yeah, there'll be some. Look, there'll be some red shirts. Donnie Tillman's not coming back, right? He played himself off that team with his 
off-court incidents, and he didn't even play in the Mountain West tournament. You notice that. Tillman's yeah, but, but I don't know how hurt he was still was. He just came back from being hurt, Tim. I, I'd be surprised only because Donnie Tillman was was the Pac-12 player of the year last year. Or, excuse me, Pac-12 six-man of the year last year for Utah. And to get that was, that was like TJ's brightest moment with his chest pumped out for this season. And he's going to let him go? I don't know. I, I don't I don't see him coming back. I don't see DeJong coming back. Hardy's here's the thing with Hardy, and maybe I'm the only person in Las Vegas that feels this way. I thought he underperformed this year. No, no, Spencer's been right? saying that all year. No, I based not... on what the, the 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 hype coming into the year, he's supposed to be the guy. Yeah. He looked like Amari Hardy of last year at many times this year. And we didn't like the way he played last year, right? Taking un, unadvised shots, just ridiculous. He becomes option three if he comes back, though. David Jenkins, Moses Wood are your top two options next year. Guys that are coming in. And you still got Marvin Coleman coming back. Yeah, Marvin too, Coleman, right. I hate watching him shoot basketballs. Great playmaker, but it's just awful watching him. It's, an, it's, not, it's not a pretty shot, but, but, but he is a good basketball player. And he's one of those guys, Spencer, when you talk about a motor, another one of those guys like Mitro Long, his motor's running the whole time he's on the court. Oh, he's a great. And Amari Hardy became better as the season went on, mostly because Mitro Long took the ball from him. And then Marvin Coleman really took that step forward. He started him at the end of the season. Amari Hardy can play off the ball very well, but unfortunately... He doesn't like playing without the ball, and I think that's what really hurts him. Oh, and, and Hamilton, right? He's an option. You're running out of you're running out of Hamil- balls. Hamilton is not only an option. I'm telling you right now that I, I mean, who's going to be Mount? Who, who would you not say that Bryce Hamilton has to be one of the favorite players to be Mountain West Player of the Year next year? Yeah, I mean, if we're taking bets, I'll put him on. Yeah, I'll put some I would on say him. I would say he'd be one of you know. I'm looking at the guys around the league, and I would say he's right there with the people returning that could be in the in the running for that. I'd be shocked. He was already Mountain West player, uh, Mountain West first team this year. He'll be that again. And yeah, I mean, if if he if he takes a step forward, because there's still a lot of room for improvement, more than just the motor defensively. He had lapses, and then some very ill advised drives to the lane and shots that, with maturity, those things hopefully go away. You think Antonio comes back? Oh yeah. yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I think so. I think I think Antonio, the end of the, as the season wore on, and he started making more and more perimeter shots and becoming more efficient from or more proficient from the perimeter. That's what he was brought here to do was be a an outside threat, and he started hitting bigger threes. I mean, the truth of the matter in that Boise game, Antonio kept him in the game. He shot four of nine from downtown, and if but they were sh- big four oh, of nine. Of course, no, I'm, that's a good shooting percentage from downtown, it especially is. in college. You can get keep him within the thirty-seven to forty-three percent from downtown. You have one of the best players in the conference, hands down. Yep, I agree. So, how do we rate year one of TJ Otzelberger? People are giving him let's grade it. People are giving him. I saw somebody give him an A, which is ridiculous. I'll give him a C. I'm I think not, that's fair. You know, you know what? I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna give him one better than this would have been. Um, you know, a, a compliment or you know, he is who we thought he was. But I'm I'm gonna say he's better than that. I'm gonna say he's better than I thought he would be this year. I like the recruiting ability. I like what he brought in. And where I'm gonna say this, and the reason I'm gonna say this is at the beginning of the season, Bryce Hamilton was not mentioned anywhere to be any kind of conference player. He brought the best out of Bryce Hamilton. Not only the best out of him, but he turned a guy who nobody was talking about into a first-team conference player, and here we are discussing him as potentially conference player of the year next year. So if T.J. Atzelberg, you don't want to give him any credit for anything else, 
Somebody turn Bryce Hamilton into this beast that he is right now. And you got to say the co- a coach has to recognize that and free up that player to do so. He recognized it in practice. He saw that this guy's got special skills. And he was able to get those skills to come out in a pretty damn positive way. So I'll say, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to give him a B, a solid B for his first season with, with UNLV. I have to give him a C minus. And it's... It, the problem I have with him is he's not a very good X's and O's guys. We saw a very stagnant offense for a majority of the season. Great at player development, great with player relationship. You can tell he, he has the attention of all these players. But, you know, when you need him to perform the most, and yes, he did beat San Diego State. I, I can never take that away from him. But losing a game in Boise State like that after you end the season so hot, you know, he didn't game plan very appropriately. And you know what? I'll say this. On senior night, I'm still upset that he started all the seniors for the first five minutes of the game. I think that was a terrible decision. I think if you're trying to win the Mountain West tournament, that's the worst thing you can do. And I think it hurt him when they played Boise State. You're not getting the proper scouting. You're not getting the proper matchups because that's not who you're going to play when you play him in the Mountain West tournament. So why wouldn't you do it at the very end of the season? That really upsets me, and that mindset alone bothers me a lot. Well, that's why you gave him the B- minus or the C-. minus. I get it right there, and, and and I think way too hard on the guy. And I get what you're saying, but you're you really soured when he started all five. I've never <laughs> seen anyone. When those three seniors started, this guy turned beat red. And and that was it. He, all he saw from T.J. Altsberg, it was like he failed his exam right there. And you know what? I don't think it hurt them because all three of the seniors, Shebel, Me True Long, and... Um, Blair and 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 Blair Nick yeah. Blair all play. They all see the floor. It's not like he I, took a guy at the back end of the bench and said, "Hey, come on, you're going to start because you're a senior because Grandma's in the stands." Yeah, it's not like Snacks was on the court. Like, yeah, it's not like Jamie Shoes Johnson from the 1979 <laughs> Michigan State team that went out there and blew a shoe. Tell me a worse offensive lineup. Go ahead, out of the but whole roster, all, put you know, five I, guys together on on the I, team and tell me a worse offensive lineup. Spencer, not only did they win the game, but he didn't keep the lineup in the game for very long. Five at all. minutes was, isn't a long time. It's not a long. Not when they're winning, quarter of, but they're winning the game, and they're, they came out. How and they many played points well. did they score in the first five minutes? Uh, I understand what you're saying. But Three you're, points. You're, that's the answer. You're being to that too hard on him for being maybe a little bit of a softy when it came to senior. <laughs> night. I'm trying to win and, the Mountain West tournament. And I, and I'm not and trying I, to so- serve soft serve and, ice cream. And here. I respect that tremendously. But here's the deal, TJ TJ Otzberger for his first season here. I don't know what how much more we would have expected out of him than no. what we got. We we see we see what's coming in. We see the recruiting class. So you have to take that into consideration his grade of what we have coming up and what he did how he made do with what he had developing a superstar i i just don't know how you can give this guy a bad grade this year and here's the one thing different come on you're not going to tell me it's a tremendous upgrade from marvin menzies come on. i'm watching tj on the side he's coaching marvin menzies half the time was putting on a show dancing jumping up and down I, and i like marvin but tj looked like he was coaching it just it just was a different environment for what me. kind of bar are we trying to clear here i mean seriously <laughs> You can't, don't say that. Really, don't. But can we both agree on this? This has to be a top two team next year. That's a fireable offense. Roster wise and Whoa, you know developing buddy, coach calm down. and the Mountain West and the Mountain fireable. West. Wow, he's he's a very passionate. What, what did they end? What did they end this season? You can't fire a coach after two he's years. He's the highest no paid what. coach in the conference. They can't just yeah. let him go yeah. if no, they don't seriously. finish top two in the conference next season. The roster they had, we can all agree that the roster next year is much better, right? It's significantly better. And where did they end this season? Fourth? F- fourth. Fourth. Well, hey, tied with the second best record in the conference for conference play. They all ended up 12 matter. and 6. Utah State and Nevada had better overall records, which is why they both got Sam higher Sam Merrill's seats. leaving next season. We're going to have the best 
roster in the Mountain West you next know, season. Demond, I'm telling you, you this. We, where, yeah, no, I, 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 that's Homer. I'm City. ready to put on and a court. I, yeah, I'm got, ready to I put on no, a jersey. You know, you know what's good, Demond? I'll tell you what. He might be slightly out of his mind with this, and very, I mean, chopping off a coach said, but I think he needs a nod for AD because you get an AD like that, heads will roll if you don't win. We don't so, have a top two finisher out of here. I mean, the only coaches that are coming here are good coaches that are very confident and, and are very well paid. So I like I like the mentality. But to me, I you know, and that was my one my one issue with the whole Menzies thing is he came into the first year in a dumpster fire. Uh, you know, the third choice, throwing him the job, they throw him a bone, and he gets he has nothing to work with, and he's basically given three seasons. I thought that was harsh, but I didn't love the the results, so I I can't complain about it. You got to give this guy. I, I look at a coach like this. How long, typically, what, how long are you supposed to go to college to earn your bachelor's degree? How long does it take Four to years. average? Four years. I think every coach deserves a college career. Do you think TJ inherited a dumpster fire? No. And I didn't say that he did. But, yeah, he came. He, the reason I'll say, you know, I'm not going to say no emphatically. Yes, partially, because think about this, Timmy. TJ comes in, and again, it's a firing of Menzies. Menzies went out and got a bunch of misfits, guys like Jacour Justin, who turned out to be a prominent D1 player. I mean, seeing the floor and contributing heavily at Oregon. He, he went out and got guys, you know, a Javon Mooring. Now, Javon Mooring played, a, we all talked hero ball, hero ball. This, but Javon Mooring was an exciting college player that won a couple of big games, big games for Marvin and for that team. But again, th- that was, you know, th- he inherited nothing. And, and TJ comes in, and, and, and his best players, the bottom line is, now, if he's able to maintain Joel and Tomway, Okay, if he's able to keep him, he keeps Houston, then I'm going to agree with you. He lost their two best players. They did not come back. And then he had a, and, and he finds that, wow, even though those two didn't come back, I might have a better one than both of them in Bryce Hamilton. And he developed him. I just, I don't think he came into as bad of a situation as Menzies, but it still wasn't a really good situation. It's not like, it's not like Marcus Arroyo, the situation he's coming into. Now, if this guy doesn't find a way to win in two or three years, hell yes, get rid of him. He's coming in to the nicest facility in the country in the Fertitta Center. There is not a better workout facility in the country, and his team gets to start off playing in an NFL stadium. Not just any NFL stadium. One of the most state-of-the-art NFL stadiums, and he is going to be able to play the first ever game in that stadium. Come on, man. This guy has it made. Otzelberger's a little up against it, and, you know, and, and, and so... I think C minus is a little bit harsh for a guy's first year, but I, I can respect it, and I respect your desire to win because at Michigan State, I tolerate very little. I want winners. I was good. No one can believe that I was happy that D'Antonio left and bailed. The guy was a scumbag, and I'm sorry, I can't believe I'm saying that now. He knew what went on at that school. You're going to tell me this? He bailed because he knew what went on there. I lost all respect for him, and so I'm just as harsh on my on my university as well. But you got to be fair. These are human beings. I don't think he did a bad job. He finished above 500. I'm not going to say that's a great thing, but he did beat. Let's let's be fair. He beat Utah State once, and he beat San Diego State once. That's a good season right there, just those two teams alone. Yeah, 17 and 15. I The thing I don't like about coaching or coaches, let's put it that way, and I know a lot of it has to do with the roster talent, and I think, like you guys said, next year we're looking at a way more talented team with just those two top recruit or transfers coming in. Don't tell me you're going to play run-and-gun basketball and not do it. And I know a lot of it has to do with what's on the court, right? But don't come in and use that, David Rice, 
and say you're going to run and gun and then don't do it. They, they average, what, 70 points a game against a weak Mountain West conference? To me, that, that's BS. I don't want to hear that. So maybe now that the, the, the athletes that are coming in, maybe I want to see if he's true to his word and he's going to run because I, that's what people want to see out here, right? Right, Brian? You live through the, the dark the culture, years. The culture know? to me when I came out to Las Vegas from Detroit is I was super excited to see this brand of basketball because they were the running rebels, and that was it. They were the running rebels. They were a team that produced a high volume of offense. They were up and down the court. When you came into the Thomas and Mack Center to play a Jerry Tarkanian basketball team, you better be in damn good shape because you're going to be running up and down that court if the rebels get to play their game, and that is a fun brand of basketball to watch. You didn't see a ton of defense. Defense, but you saw a whole bunch of offense, and not just normal offense. It was exciting offense. Their offense of the early 90s reminded me of like Houston's offense, like five slamma jamma. They played above the rim, and they could hit from the perimeter as well. A lot of fun to watch that UNLV team back then, and I think we want that culture here. I think, you know, you know, please don't ever change the name of the team, the Running Rebels, like they tried to change the logo a couple years ago, because that was <laughs> the worst thing ever. Oh my God, a paperweight. They tried to pass off a paperweight as the UNLV logo. Amazing. I, I still see this uh, merch with that logo on it. So. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's like it's clearance. on the dumpsters. It's clearance. <laughs> <laughs> on campus. It's on the dumpsters. What do you, what, so here, here's my thing on it, though. Better team coming in on paper. The schedule got a hell of a lot harder, too, though. And I think this this might be a possibility of a work trip, guys, is – they play in the Maui Invitational next next November. Yeah, buddy. We need to figure out a way to be out there for this. Well, you, demand, you gotta, you, we got to have a producer out there, don't yeah, right. we? Gotta How are we going to get up. by without a producer? And up. Magnum, I'm gonna say, we can't take Magnum. He's going to have the coronavirus from going to Japan all the time. <laughs> I'm so. already scheming. Like um, I went to, I traveled with the team once to go to Fresno to set up for the um, ESPN Las Vegas broadcast. I'm going to see if I can get that gig full-time and just like, because I'm only thinking about Maui. Oh, I'll man, be the guy Maui. who travels with you the know, You know what's funny? A couple of years ago, we had a guy on the team named Good Luck Okonobo who was only thinking about Maui, too. Remember? He waited till after the Maui Classic, and then he transfers. And I've never <laughs> seen anything like that in my life. The guy plays on the team, stays, and then he transfers right after the Maui Classic. Like, that wasn't premeditated. But you know what? That's pretty smart, man. I'd have done the same. How are you going to blow up? We're going to Hawaii this year. I'm going to wait and transfer after the Hawaii trip. Come on, I'd do it. Me and Bill Walden, maybe Jay Billis. You know, we're yeah. just all hanging out. I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, I got to get there first. <laughs> well, if you start hanging out with Bill Bill Walton, you miss the plane coming home. I mean, it'd be that simple. You got to get a tie dye shirt, and uh, you know, Bill Walton and Bob Marley are best friends. So, so look at this field: North Carolina, Davidson, Providence, Indiana, Alabama, Stanford, Texas, UNLV. Th- those are tough matchups either way. UCLA comes to the MAC next year. Cal comes to the MAC, and the Rebels play road games at Kansas State, VCU, and SMU. That that's just the out of conference. Second place or get it, fire him. Did you hear what yeah, Spencer yeah, said? That's that. it. Yes. I'm just uh, well, the reason I say that is because look, if you're improving your roster significantly next year, you want to see an improvement, right? So if you don't see that, carry that to the next three years. Then you suddenly accept an improve. Then like suddenly you think it's going to start improving in the future for no reason. I mean. 
you have to project these things or else you're going to waste your time for seasons to come. No, I agree, but we are projecting that they're going to have a better season this year, and it is set up to have a better That's season by what, by what TJ has done this year. That's and all I want to see. He is set up to have a good year, and I agree. I expect. I hope he does. I expect this team, unless barring some injuries to top players like a guy like Bryce Hamilton, I would say this team, to me, should finish no worse than second in the Mountain West this next season, and I'm right there with you. But more. I'm not going to say fire him if they don't. I'm going to say all of a sudden, now we have an probation situation because you just took a good team and you, 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 you turned them into crap but we'll see what happens I, I I think that I think that it'll be okay let me give you a great example the Grizzlies they fired Dave Fisdale after one and a quarter seasons and everyone's like oh this is the worst thing ever and then he goes to the Knicks and look what he does the Grizzlies projected the performance they saw on the court onto the future and they took action for it and now look at them they're in the eighth seed in the west as the youngest team in the NBA and I'm not saying TJ's gonna have a bad season next year of course not I think he is going to have a great season, but <laughs> I think Spence was the is the GM of the Los Angeles Wildcats. Demon, remember they fired their defensive coordinator oh, yeah, for one game. Yeah. I think his name was Pe- I think it was Pepper Johnson. Pepper, was one game. Yo, out of here, buddy. <laughs> All I know is, man, it'd be awfully tough to play for him, wouldn't it? Ah, oh. oh, we're down at halftime. Might be a new coach after. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All I that's want it. is success. Yeah, I could it'd be like like you ever see the movie Miracle Herbie Brooks again. Well, dude, the again. lights the lights have been off for twenty again. Yep, that would be Spencer again. That was Kurt Russell, though. That was Kurt. Well, Kurt Russell, but uh, yeah, it's Herbie Brooks, man. Herbie Brooks, the coach of uh, the great Olympic team. We just talked to uh, one of his players a couple weeks going out of line. We had Kenny Morrow on the team who uh, interviews on YouTube. Might have been one of the most fortunate uh, hockey players to ever play the game. If you if you don't know who Kenny Morrow, is Google him. Played on the Olympic team and then five straight Stanley Cup teams with uh, talk about six years of no winning. They didn't win all five Stanley Cups, but they won four of the five and the Olympics. What a six-year run that was. He was a winner. That's what it is. When we come back, we will take a look at the NCAA tournament from abroad. We'll get Spencer did some research. I need to I need to see this research, hear this research. And we'll wrap it up with a little VG, VGK talk as the night's back in action tomorrow afternoon up in Calgary. Heatwave Sports, back after this. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Now back to Heatwave Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Barton. Turn Spencer with us tonight. Spencer did some NCAA research as we look ahead towards Selection Sunday. And you know, guys, we'll be the first show locally to talk about the Field of 68 next Sunday night on Heatwave Sports. So all the other shows can listen to our show and gather information to talk about on their show, Brian. You know how that goes. Absolutely. I'll be one of them. At least you admit it. I 100%. So, Spence, you you broke this down for us. What do you got? I was trying to objectively pick who would win the tournament this year. So I'm looking at trends over the last three seasons of who won championships. And there's one stat that really concerned me. Gonzaga is 128th in scoring allowed per season. And I said, has this happened at all? And three years ago, when North Carolina won their championship, guess what? They were 127th in the league in scoring. So I said, is there any other stat that I can point to that may be an indication that Gonzaga has a chance like I believe? And I found one. Of the last three seasons, in the top 10, they have been in scoring differential. And guess what? 
Gonzaga is like number one. And yes, they have been in, in the past, but this season specifically, they're also in the top 10 and every other team before that has also been in the top 10 and score differential. So that's who I'm picking first of all to win the NCAA tournament. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Gonzaga. That's who I got. Probably won't get much value on that, but Brian, this isn't necessarily a betting show, but you and I have some extra money that we want to kind of filter around the tournament here and give me some of your, just off the top of your head, teams that you feel are going to go make a deep run into this tournament. You know, Gonzaga is actually a really cool pick. Um, and, you know, I, I've always said, I don't think he's underrated or not respected the way he should be, but Mark Few is a great basketball coach. I mean, a great basketball coach, not just on the floor, but as a recruiter as well. Every year, this team is significant. And why would he ever leave? I mean, I'd never leave if I was him. He's the president of Gonzaga and will be forever. I, nobody makes more money at the school than him. That guy should never leave. And, and he, he's a really good coach. And I, got, I had the opportunity to interview him a couple of years ago. I absolutely love him. I like the Kansas Jayhawks. I do. I think they're number one for a reason. I think Bill Self is another guy that I respect tremendously as a basketball coach. He's a motivator. He's a recruiter. He is just a flat-out winner. And once again, Bill Self has this Kansas Jayhawk team uh, firing on all cylinders at the right time of the season. Are there holes? Absolutely, there's holes in every team. But I think they're going to be as tough of an out as anybody. And again, you know, you just can never count out a guy like John Calipari in this tournament either. That Kentucky team is scary good. Uh, they're, they're now They've crept their way into the top 10. They've only got five losses on the season. We'll see how they do in the Southeastern Conference Tournament next week. But that is a team that I would look out for. Some of the houses of cards and some of the teams that I don't like, like Florida State, they've been going in the other direction. And those are the things you look at, Spencer, I think, when you look at trends. How are teams trending at this point in the year? And that's why a team like Utah State is really scary. Because they're they're putting it together at the right time of the year. And that's what you look for. And a team to me that is really scary, and I know I'm being a homer here, and I'll say we like like my buddy Spencer, the Michigan State Spartans are a team you do not want to mess with right now. They beat Maryland on the road. They beat Penn State on the road. And Cassius Winston, I don't know that there is a more a more proficient point guard in the country. When that man is on his game, he is the best there is in the country at the point position. When he's not on his game, he's the third best there is in the country in the point position. Cassius Winston is dangerous good at the collegiate level, and I would not be at all surprised if Sparty's cutting down the nets at the end of the year because Tom Izzo can flat-out coach, and this is his prime time. Tom Izzo's like a coach, if you remember years ago. Spencer, just because he's the whiz, will know who he is, but you never got to see him coach. A guy that coached Louisville for years named Denny Crum. What Denny Crum would do every year is he would give Louisville the toughest schedule in the country, and they'd end up having 11 losses going into the tournament, and then they'd make this ridiculous run, because he said, I want to play the best. I just need to get into the tournament with my team knowing they can play anybody in the country. So he would schedule those games, and if you know Louisville, back uh, nervous Purvis Ellison years ago as a freshman, this guy, Milt Wagner even before that, Denny Crum would get the most out of his players. Tom Izzo is a very similar type of basketball coach. He coaches for the tournaments at the end of the year. Yes, he wants to good record. Yes, he wants to win the Big Ten, but it's not as important because what every coach wants is they want the dance. They want to be holding up that trophy at the beginning of April to win it all. And that and the focus of the best coaches is there, not winning their conference tournament. Coaches that focus on winning their conference or their conference tournaments are coaches that know they have no chance of winning the NCAA. So that is their big dance. Um, so those are two teams I really like. I like Kansas and I like the Michigan State Spartans. I like Kansas. And and obviously they're going to be everybody's favorite at four right now. Essentially, it's four and a half to one. We'll see how it goes after the tournament next week. But if we went and bet on Michigan State right now, Feldman, 
12 to 1. I love it. You like I that? I love it. The plus 1,200, Michigan State, that's a $100 bet all day long. I'm not going to go more than that, but um, I think that is a great $100 bet. And you made a good point about the, the point guard. You know, Mateen Cleaves was the reason they won the national title. Actually, he was, but Morris Peterson was probably more the reason they won that national title. Morris Peterson, of course, went on to a pretty decent NBA career. Um, but and Mateen Cleaves blew out his ankle in the Final Four, and Mo Pete, Pete had to pick it up tremendously. But you are right. Mateen Cleaves ran the engine of that Michigan State team that won the national title. As a matter of fact, a good buddy we always talk about here, Larry Eustacey, had coached that Iowa State team that played Michigan State in the Elite Eight. They had Marcus Pfizer, who was a hell of a player back then. And um, that's when Larry Stacy was national coach of the year back in the early 90s. Uh, but um, I'll tell you, uh, or not, early, early part of the century, I should say. Um, I think, that, but Kansas, when you look at Kansas, the, the league they play in, in the Big 12, and it is a much improved conference. You know, when you've got two teams in the top four in the in the same conference, it's letting you know that they're trying to rival the ACC, even though I think the ACC is still head and shoulders above the Big 12. I think the upper echelon of the Big 12 is catching up with that. So, but, but you know, Kansas, and, and again, I, I, I did throw in there Kentucky. I just will never count out Kentucky. Kentucky has two players that are definitely going to play in the NBA. And whenever you have a collegiate team with two NBA players on it, anything can happen. If those two guys play to the best of the ability and they are next-level players, yeah, they should win, it, they should win the championship. We sat in a T-Mobile press room for the was the coaches versus cancer when Kentucky played Utah and they lost a close game, and Calipari sat there and said, "Look, we're young. Talk to us in March. They've ran through the SEC conference. <laughs> right. They're fourteen Very to one right now. Fourteen yeah. to one plus fourteen hundred, Brian. That's a hundred dollar bet if you got the money." I want to ask you something, and, and, and ask Wiz this question, because maybe you'll know, because I haven't followed them a great deal, and I don't know if you have. I just recently started delving into the Dayton uh, the Dayton Friars, and uh, looking at this team, the Flyers, excuse me, and, and looking at this team, um, two losses, 27-2. and two. Now, they play in the Big East. The Big East is not the Big East of old. It is the Big East of now. It's not the Georgetown, St. John's, Villanova, uh, Seton Hall, you know, that, that, that it was back then, Syracuse, you know, um, but it's still the Big East. So it's not that Dayton has not played anybody they have, and they've lost two games. Spencer, does this team have any chance of winning a national title, or is this the biggest house of cards there is? Demond, you, got, you know about oh, this Oh, Dayton's team? just in the A-10. Oh, the A-10, my bad, yes. Okay. What, what, what do you got, Spencer? Dayton is third in scoring differential, which I said. But we're talking Billy Bean here in analytics. But I love, <laughs> no, but I love it. He's an analytical guy. No, I'm, I'm just saying, like, that's, I think that is a factor. And, of course, you have the opponents played. But I think that they're just, they just feel ready for this tournament for some reason. And, you know, I think they can lock in defensively. And I definitely think they are at least a candidate for Final Four, if not the finals, for sure. I'm definitely behind you on that one. Two losses. I mean, you gotta, you, you, you've got to take that into account. Confidence just, going into the you know, I, ju- I just think you see the name Dayton and you immediately dis- discount them. And I think a lot of people do that with San Diego State as well. You, you know, you discount a two-loss team that you just don't think is playing in a conference that is going to be able to compete when it comes time for the national stage. But Gonzaga plays in a conference like that. I mean, Gonzaga's biggest opponents in their conference, who BYU and St. Mary, I mean, th- those two teams will get destroyed in the tournament. So, you know, but yet Gonzaga has a chance. So why not Dayton? You know, you, you never know. What do you think, Timmy? You think a team like Dayton's got, got the, is the real deal? I think they're good. But let's see how they do against, uh, you know, battle-tested teams. And I hate to say battle-tested in that Dayton's played just as many games as the rest of these teams have, but the cal- caliber of competition in the A-10 is not going to be 
up to speed with what the ACC, the Big East, the Big Ten, the Big 12 did this year. I look at a team like Louisville, 20 to 1. I think that's prime for for if you have an extra extra money, Louisville is a team to look at. I think a team like Seton Hall, 15 to 1, another battle tested team this year. But I think Dayton will do okay. I think the Sweet 16, I could see that. And as a one seed, which they might be, they better. They, they better be get one. That. They will be a one seed. I, I do think be one seed. I think Dayton can make the Final Four. Like I don't. I think it's a smart bet to put money on Dayton because I think Obi Toppin is one of the best players in the country. Obi Toppin, and one of those things when you look analytical, they are the best shooting team as in field goal percentage in the nation. You know, make the most shots. Are make they, more are shots they up for the, the pressure, though? Can they handle this pressure? Well, that's that, what, that's, that's, what, that, well, that's what we're going to find out. I mean, mm-hmm. this is definitely a bigger stage than those guys have ever been, been on. They have been in the national spotlight for a while. Now, there's been they've been weeks at the top of the charts, so they know what it's like to have people watching, the press watching, wait, and they haven't really stumbled. Where Baylor has stumbled a few times, Dayton has not. And, yeah. and we've talked about that even in, like, let's talk about football just for a second. Like Clemson, everyone's like, oh, Clemson doesn't play anybody. And look what they've done the past few years. I mean, they lost, obviously, in the finals. But the fact that when they come to the, the playoff time, they're just as ready as any other team. So I don't think that you know who they play is exa- the best barometer for how they're going to perform in the future. What about the team that nobody's talking about in, in the mix of favorites? And it kind of just sets uneasy in my stomach about it. And that's the Crypt Keeper in, in Shusevsky. How come nobody's talking about Duke this year? 15 to 1. It's it you know and, and with Coach K and it's an excellent point, Timmy. You've always got to give them a shot with Coach K and Duke. You don't know what he's going to pull out of his sleeve. I am not a gigantic Coach K fan. However, you, you like he says, I have to look up in the rafters when I want to be a detractor, and I see five banners hanging up there. <laughs> so it's kind of hard not to uh, not to look at that. But um, no, you you have to consider Duke in the mix. Twenty three and six, and, and Duke is starting to play pretty good basketball right now as well. And they've got a couple of uh, players that that are difference makers. And so no, I li- I like putting them in there. You know, one of the teams we skipped and we're not talking about because Michigan State just went in and beat, but, but the Maryland Turpins. I were thinking earlier in the season, this is a team that is really surprisingly good. And then you know you just it comes down to the, to the grizzled tournament. You know you get down at home. You can't lose. I don't care if it's Michigan State. If you are truly a national contender, you can't lose a home game at the end of the season to a conference rival. You just can't. And that showed me that Michigan State was ready for the tournament, and Maryland's not. No, for sure. And one thing I wanted to say about Duke is I think not having someone like Zion Williamson on their team could probably be the best thing that could ever happen to them. They had three players in the top ten go in the draft and. That's the only story that was going on last season. And now they're just kind of sneaking by and being just as good as they were last year. And I think that could be so beneficial to the team uh, just overall for the tournament. Oh, I, I won't disagree with you at all. And, you know, another team that we ha- we really haven't brought up, and I brought up their old coaches, you know, the, the Louisville Cardinals. I mean, this team is another team that can play basketball. And they've had some tough games. They Every year they play the top talent in the country. And they never they never shy away from schedule. I mean, I mean, you know, they had, they had the Rick Patino fiasco over there. But, you know what, it didn't hurt them. The program no. just keeps going. Louisville is one of those storied programs that is going to rebound, no pun intended, and, and be good again. And, you know, they're the number 10 team in the country coming into this week 24 and 6 and uh you know depending how they do in the ACC tournament um yeah that's not a team I want to play let's no, put it that way no yeah. no I think I think they're they're a team that's going to be tough and one of the other teams again I haven't watched a great deal this year but they've been in the national stage for a while now is Creighton I mean uh, Creighton's Creighton's a team that you know I think they're a Sweet 16 team, but I don't think much more than that. But then again, they're a very well-coached basketball team that that continues to make noise at this time of year and in the NCAA tournament. 
it's just hard to predict. I know we're talking about it, but it is hard to predict because there are a lot of great teams, but everyone knows when, it, when March Madness starts, you know, you can think the, the teams are the best and then it all go and it just goes away in the first like day of March Madness. But, you know, I think the teams that we've talked about are legitimately, I think half of them will make it into the final or the elite eight. I'll, uh, one thing I was going to just say, Tim, I was trying to whisper to you, but sleeper, you know, one of the things talking about sleepers in the tournament, you want a great sleeper and we're not talking about them at all, nor should we, but they're playing good again. And um, they won a national championship last year, and they have yeah. a coach that uh, it was just two years ago. I mean, you want to talk about a great coach to be able to recover from being the first number one overall seed ever to lose to a 16 seed, and a year later come back and win the national championship. That is resiliency. That is truly the ability to have short-term memory loss. And uh, man, Tony Bennett is the real deal. One of the young, up-and-coming, great coaches at this level. And Virginia right now. Uh, I think the rank they were twenty second coming into the week twenty one and seven going into this week. I got to believe the odds on them, Timmy, have got to be uh, thirty to one to win the national title. Maybe a little less than that. Let's say twenty two to one. What are the odds? You t- tell me. Virginia defending champions, big win today. As a matter of fact, right seventy five to one right now. What do you think of seventy five to one? Spence, <laughs> you talk about shot. the best defensive coach in the country too. And you look at that team that he took to the finals and won the finals with. You know, and again, I try to look at trends like statistically. And you see the talent that has won over the past few years, like NBA talent. And he had one, which is DeAndre Hunter, and he's not that great, let's be honest. He is a first-round talent, but, you know, and compared to some of the other guys that have won national titles, I mean, the fact that he even won the finals with him, I think is insane. And to discount him, the best defensive coach in the country, is pretty crazy to me. And and that's why I'm saying Virginia at seventy five to one. All right, there there is definitely Timmy. We got to put yeah. some. We got to put some of that fantasy football yeah, money we won last it. year. Because <laughs> to me, that is you're looking for a sleeper. That right there is the best sleeper in the country, odds wise. If you're betting, I can't think of a better one right now. And you can hedge through. You got all you got to do is get through the first week, and you start making money at that point. Guys, let's just wrap this up tonight with a little VGK talk. Brian, you do a segment every Sunday morning on Out of Line. And so this will be, a, I guess, a preview of what you're going to talk about tomorrow, but the Knights in action in Calgary, 4 o'clock, puck drop. Knights back on a roll again, Mr. Feldman. Nine of their last 11, they put the W's up. And Mr. Le- uh, Mr. Robin, I'm going to call him Mr. Robin, making people a little antsy about, about Flurry here. So why don't we talk about the team first and then get into the goalie controversy? Well, nine of their last 11, but they're one and two in their last three games, <laughs> and including getting shut out uh, uh, yesterday, well, now two days ago, uh, to the Winnipeg Jets, who are playing for their playoff lives right now. But a 4 nothing shutout wasn't great. That was coming off of a shutout of the New Jersey Devils at home. But come on, New Jersey sucks. So that's not really a big win. And then they had lost to the Kings, who the Kings are playing scrap good hockey right now, even though they're dwelling in the bottom of their conference. Uh, they're playing pretty good, but Calgary is a team that could make noise in the Stanley Cup playoffs. This is a team that is a decent hockey team, and uh, they're, they're on the road. This is a, another one of those games for the Golden Knights that I think they need to uh, they need to come back from that 4 nothing shutout and win this hockey game. But is it a mandatory game? No. I think the Golden Knights are fine going forward, and I think for all the Pete DeBoer detractors out there, I was never one of them. I wasn't thrilled with Gerard getting Fired. I mean, he's an ex-Red Wing. I thought he did a tremendous job. I thought, how do you fire a guy that took a team to, you know, we, we've been through this a million times. I don't need to re- rehash all that. But um, the one thing I've known about Pete DeBoer and every one of his players at San Jose said it, man, that guy motivates me. 
He knows how to motivate me. And it's funny because when you see him in the locker room or, you know, in the press conference, he's like quiet. He doesn't say very much. He looks like, you know, a good big win could blow him over. And yet the bottom line is, is the guy can coach. And this is a different hockey team since he took over. Right before the All-Star break, I was like, oh, he's not doing so well. And a couple losses here and there. And then this team has turned it around. They've turned the corner. And the one thing I love about Pete DeBoer is his fearlessness when it comes to mixing up lines. He will change a line two, two, three times in a game. Gerard Gallant was always reluctant to do that. He just kept sticking with it. Well, I know it's not working right now, but it has in the past. No, man, when it breaks, you got to fix it right away, and and you got to keep keep playing, keep throwing glue and mending it until you find the right matches. And sometimes those matchups will change four or five times in a season. Guys that were playing together early aren't anymore, so let's put one new guy in there. Let's try a new centerman. This guy's not winning draws, so put him in. These guys aren't playing well in the neutral zone, so let's make a few changes here. That's what you have to do in hockey is changing on the fly. And coaches that can do that have more job security. Hockey is the one sport that happens every year. I mean, eight coaches fired in season this year. That is, that's a third of the league. That's what hockey, that's what happened, or a quarter of the league. But that's what hockey does. And I think they did exactly what I talked about earlier in the show. They projected Gallant through the rest of the season, and they weren't happy with it. They said if, if he does this performance in the first half of the season and he does it in the second half as well, which they should probably think he would, like how can you expect a, a coach to change drastically in the middle of a season? And they said, we want a new guy to do this. And also we've looked at trends just hockey-wise. Like I think two of the last four Stanley Cup winners fired their coach in the middle of the season. So mm-hmm. I think they were trying to do the same thing. And I know I was definitely in support of it when it happened. And you can see it. It's in writing. So I have proof. I'm not just saying that on the air. And I love what he's done. He's tenacious. He wants to win. And for, he's taken two teams to the Stanley Cup after being hired in the coach in the middle of the season, of course. So, you know, maybe he can do it again. I, I got to add something to Spencer's the greatest. Because, you know, it's just so funny. There's just no heart whatsoever with Gallant. It's like Gallant, this city changed. Uh, October 1st of 2017 changed its all forever here in Las Vegas with the the shooting out over by Mandalay Bay. And then the Golden Knights just started playing at the right time, and it was a perfect storm that culminated into a community coming together like I've never seen. The most transient city in our country comes together like we were all brought up here. It was really a cool thing to see, and it really culminated with what the Golden Knights did. So to not even feel a little bit of remorse for Gerard Gallant, I love you, Wiz, but it's just like I I was also supportive of Pete DeBoer like you, and I said it on the show, but I have a much, I have remorse. I felt, I felt bad for Gerard Gallant. Like, wow, this guy to a degree changed my life. He had, I didn't, anyone out there that said they had the Golden Knights going to the Stanley Cup finals their first year on a bucket list is lying because you would never put that on a bucket list because you'd be a moron to do it. And yet it happened. Just like me and Wiz. Did we put flying on the Goodyear blimp on a bucket list? No, because we'd have been morons to do it. But did we fly on the Goodyear blimp? We did. So so the, the thing is, is that happened. And because it happened and because it was life-altering for me and so cool, Jar- Gerard Gallant has a huge pot- spot in my heart. Not just because he was a Red Wing and played and wore the A when Stevie Eiserman wore the C years ago in Detroit, but because of what he did for this community and what the Golden Knights did for hockey. Me being just a huge hockey advocate and lover and to watch hockey morph into what it has in the state of Nevada is so cool. And then this year to see, to see Gage Quinn Quinny play for the Golden Knights the first 
ever Nevada-born player to play in the National Hockey League. This has been really cool. And really, I'm not. it starts with Bill Foley and George McPhee, but Gerard Gallant was a huge part of that. And so let's at least have a little wake for him and say we feel bad. I'm happy DeBoer is doing what he's doing. I wasn't supportive of it, but you got to be a little sad for the guy. We got to, we got, you know, we need to wake the whiz like the Grinch of Soul Christmas. We got to get the heart to grow a few sizes. I didn't lose an hour of sleep, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Spence had the cab waiting for him outside the team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I appreciate everything. And the Beyonce made, song going, you must not know about me. <laughs> the what? Patriots haven't been successful because of sympathy, I'll tell you that. Close yeah. it out with this goalie controversy. Yes or no? Um, next year, yes. This year, no. This year, uh, Mark Andre Fleury is the goaltender, and I think they will ride him. I think unless he really starts looking bad in the postseason, they're going to ride Mark Andre Fleury, and they're going to beat that horse into the Elmer Glue factory. Next year, Fenner and Fleury, that is some severe competition. Fleury getting into his upper 30s, as we know, about seven. Seven concussions deep into a career, and you got a guy like Fenner who would start on almost any team in the National Hockey League, and a guy that a year ago was vying for the Vesna Trophy. I mean, it's pretty amazing that we got him as a backup goaltender. Hats off to Kelly McCrimmon. Hats off to uh, to you know to, to Tim Foley for spending uh, Bill Foley for spending the money, and um, you know hats off to George McPhee for being George McPhee. Spence, goalie controversy. Yes, only because our coach is Peter DeBoer. He literally doesn't care. If if Flurry isn't playing up to what he wants in the playoffs, he'll be gone. He'll yank him. He'll yank him. I think if round one, Vegas goes down 2 nothing. They make the change right there. and, and Oh, for they, sure. Well, that's what I said. Yeah. If he doesn't get into problems, if we're winning hockey games 5-4 to four and Fleury lets in two bad goals but we keep winning, he'll keep riding Fleury. Fleury is going to have to be the reason they lose games to be replaced. That's what I'm saying. And that's respect, and he deserves that respect. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and next year, see, Le- Leonard's a free agent. That that's they're going to see where they're going to go with this direction. Leonard is not going anywhere. No. They, they are signing they Leonard. Trust me. Yeah, reason. they are signing Leonard. They the Subban. They said, see you later. Uh, that that's it. Oscar, gonna Oscar, get, yeah. Oscar Dansk isn't coming back. <laughs> <No>. Trust me. <laughs> Leonard's going to get paid though. That that's where you're going to see where the problem he'll, becomes. He'll so. get paid. I hope we win the Stanley Cup. That way, Flurry. I keep saying we. I hope the Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup because Flurry would retire at that point, and it would be a much better send off. Obviously. Well, guys, it's great. As uh, two hours goes by quick, man. man. But it was, it was a good time. Spence, how, how do you how do you feel after? I'm ready for uh, the third hour. Can we? That's tomorrow night. A full show for the Wiz Kid. What do you think? Let's grade Spencer real quick. Oh, What's his grade, Timmy? <laughs> I'll give him a solid A. Wow. I'm always giving him an A, but after <laughs> after he gave a, a C minus to Otzelberger, <laughs> I'm going to give him an A minus just a- because minus of that. What do you got, Damon? Give him a grade. Yeah. To quote the great Billy Bob from the movie Varsity Blues, Tan. <laughs> wow. Look at that. Wiz, hey, he, that deserves a golf clap right he here. He actually yeah. said another word before that, but <laughs> I don't think you can say that, right? No. Brian, talk about the show tomorrow morning. It's only eight hours away, man. Eight hours away, <laughs> out of line, Fox Sports Radio right here. Me and the Wiz will be back in studio with co-host Caleb Herring and, of course, Chris Magnum Chapman behind the wheels of steel tomorrow morning. Again, Kevin Kruger will be on live with us talking about the current state of UNLV and what he thinks the future is going to be. We've got an interview with Ricky Stanhouse Jr. here. You'll also hear that interview you heard a little bit ago with Sam Merrill and Bryce Hamilton, the star of the UNLV Running Rebels, plus uh, the three of us, the Wiz me, Caleb, but four of us, and uh, Magnum. It'll be a good time. And I'll be back tomorrow night at 10 o'clock with Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com and radio personality Chris Wynn will join us in the 11 o'clock hour. Talk some basketball, of course. So tune in, 
And always a pleasure, guys. Appreciate it again. It's Heat Wave Sports, only on Fox Sports Radio. Good night.